I'm Frederick Gerten, and I'm the filmmaker. And I'm Leilani Farha, and I'm the advocate. And this is Pushback Talks. I know in other postcards they have like they count the numbers. It, I don't know what number are we up to. Oh, I have no I mean, clue. Season no four. Clue. Season I know four, that. yeah. That's the and number. And we I also, know. which I, I like this kind of stats that we checked, we now have audience in 138 countries. And I need to be updated, Frederick, because I don't know which yeah, are the you're new so countries. You're so busy, so I don't have to time to update you. It's Iraq. It was... Oh, um, fantastic. Now I forgot it. I have to come back. Next next show, I will, t- I will tell you mm. about the new countries. Mm. But it's 138, and you're all welcome from fantastic. all countries. We should try to have someone from Iraq on our show. That would be cool. I don't know what's happening there with housing, finance, cities. Also, I mean... You know, you know. I've been. I was in Chile now, checking out the uprising from the you know 2019, October 2019. At the same time, there was an uprising in Beirut, yes. October 29. But there was also one in Baghdad. There we October go. October 2019, and there was like, they. I think they killed around 600 young people, demonstrating. So it's it is. But it was interesting because it was also an uprising that it was not sectarian. It was the uh, young people. Right. So it's anti-corruption. It has the same patterns in many other countries. So I think that it's something we should look into totally. But now we are going to go back to, to a city that has inspired us a lot, to Berlin. And, you know, Berlin is uh, a place of resistance. Absolutely exciting to get an update on Berlin. Yeah. So now we have here with us Joanna Kusjak from Berlin. Hey, Joanna, nice to see you there. <laughs> Good morning. Nice to yeah. see you. So you're in the, the lead of this movement that fought to get this referendum in Berlin about socializing housing from the biggest landlords. And you won. This was the 26th of September last year, same day as the, the German general election. And you won with a big majority. And we had a show here and you were on it. And there was a lot of people, big interest for that, that uh, episode. So, of course, we want to know where, what is happening now, because there is not so much news coming out. Well, I mean, as, as I mentioned last time we talked, uh, the whole idea of our movement is to have a revolution not against, but by means of law. Um, And therefore, also this uh, revolution is maybe less punctual and spectacular as the usual revolution. I mean, I know everyone was waiting till we start storming the Bundestag, (laughs) or at least the court. But instead, it's a more silent, uh, but continuous kind of push. And I think it's interesting for the whole world because it is not that often to see this long process in the making of a revolution through the law and not against the legal system. And of course, it's not yet completed. I will uh, I will not tell you it's as it is also with revolution. You know, you you it's a continuous uncertainty, and you work through this uh, uncertainty by creating more and more grassroots power to keep pushing. 
So it's it's not finished, but it's well on the Can way. You give us a short explanation on what people vote. Sure. So a short update. So on, on in September, uh, almost 60% of uh, Berliners, Berlin voters, voted to expropriate or actually to socialize apartments owned uh, by corporate landlords. So we're talking financialized housing, uh, we're talking big corporations that own each of them 3,000 or more apartments in the city. The biggest one owned 120,000 apartments. In the meantime, also two of the biggest one merged. So we have really, in some sense, financialized monsters uh, that use this housing to speculate. And our initiative, by political means of a public referendum and by legal means of Article 15 of the German Constitution, wants to socialize this housing. And if I say socialize, it means to transform it into a public property. So it's not just expropriation in the sense of taking away the property. Uh, it is combined with democratization. So this new property, it's actually... It's, it's not just a negative proposition of overthrowing the old system, taking this housing from the financial markets. It's also a positive proposition of really revolutionizing and creating a new system of public housing, new ways of managing this public housing. So it is um, really, um, it is a proposition mm. of a new world in relation to housing. What do you say, Leilani? It is, it is kind of, it's radical and it's exciting. Absolutely. And, uh, it, and it takes... And it also takes on the powers that you are fighting in Canada, we are fighting in Sweden, where I mean, people are fighting all over the world. Mm. Yes, and I like I like what Joanna said at the outset, which you know, as an advocate, I fully understand. You know, we love uh, media attention and the whole world sort of backing a movement, a grassroots movement. But so much of advocacy is this longer struggle behind the scenes, trying to build movement and a movement, um, trying to craft legislation. It takes time. It's quiet work. It's uh, studious work. Uh, so I really I appreciate Joanna, your comments about that, because, you know, when I look at some of the things I've been involved in over the years, it's been years in the making some some or if you look recently, you know, in, in I think December 2021, Spain finally adopted its national right to housing legislation. That's after years and years of advocates on the ground pushing, 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 drafting their own legislation, trying to get their legislation up. And now finally, and, and advocates say it's not strong enough, it's not good enough, but finally this legislation has been adopted by the government. And, you know, it didn't happen overnight. And, and in a way, it kind of snuck in. I think there weren't so huge bells and whistles, maybe because it didn't <laughs> really come from the grassroots in, that, in the way that it, it could have. But uh, anyway, I just appreciate those comments. Mm. And Joanna, you won with this huge majority. And also in the, this is, we're talking about the city of Berlin and and the, the city, the elected city government, which was then the Social Democrats, the Greens and the, the left party, they suddenly get something on their laps to handle. <laughs> because, uh, they, okay, <laughs> yes. hey, Mr. City government, this is something you have to take care of. How have they 
responded. Well, you know, another thing about revolutions is that usually governments are not super excited about them. I don't know if you notice in history. And in some sense, it's not, well, it's not entirely different in Berlin, although it's maybe more um, refined uh, or subtle. Uh, definitely uh, the new government, I mean, it, it, it is a coalition formed of free political parties, the SPD, which are the Social Democrats, uh, Die Linke, which is the left, and the Green Party. And within those parties, already during the election campaign, we knew that the electorate of all those parties is divided. I mean, in fact, the electorates of all political parties, including right-wing parties, Christian Democrats, or even populist right-wing like AfD, actually, we, we have electorate of all political parties voting for us, over one million people in absolute terms. And this is because this housing crisis, as you surely know also in, in your cities, but especially in Berlin as a, as a rented city, it does affect everyone. And in this sense, the, all political parties must take us seriously because the electorate takes us seriously. At the same time, of course, as it also often is with political parties, some of them have close connection to real estate lobbies and they have their loyalties there too. So within all of the, like all of those parties, I mean, the left party supports us entirely. Um, when it comes to SPD, the, the current mayor, she was quite open during the election campaign. She does not uh, wish for a socialization of housing. However, within her party already voices are also uh, divided. And the Green Party uh, supported us um, in a in a bit more hedged way, uh, let's say than than the left party. However, the the base of the party also supports us. So we have this situation where yeah, the 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 mayor does not want to do socialization. The base is up, and from us as a social movement, it also demands certain agility because it's like we're playing different game now. During the referendum campaign, we played the game typical for social movements, which is connecting to the people, collecting signatures, organizing referendum, having the structures within each district of Berlin. And we were really exceptionally good at it. And uh, I mean, we are not only we won, but in the history of Berlin referenda, this has been the most successful referendum. And now we're changing the field of game because now when it comes, I mean, within the German legal system or the legal system also of Berlin, which is, uh, um, which is also a land in a federal system of Germany, the, the referendum is binding politically, but it's not binding legally, which means unlike, for example, in Switzerland, it is not that after we won, the legislation automatically happens or the, the government has this political duty to to have this legislation. They just cannot ignore us, but also we cannot legally force them to do it immediately. So it is more a game of push, as your, as your title really aptly uh, suggests, and, and that's, what we, that's what we are doing. So one of the big decisions that we had to make you know, often in politics, it is so if, if uh, a political party or, or government, if they don't want to do something, they propose that we want to establish as a committee, right, to investigate <laughs> how can it be done. And we all know those committees, right? I mean, they can operate 
months and months because you need to check everything. And there is really, a committee, really I guess. In then. details. And there, yeah, so there is a committee. I mean, the, I mean, the, the first within the coalition negotiations, um, the SPD pushed for establishing a committee that um, investigates the legal possibilities of doing this socialization. Now, we were, of course, against this committee because we just want a law. We don't want a committee investigating the law. We actually want a law. More than that, within the formal process of organizing a referendum, um, the Berlin Senate already investigated the legal possibilities of um, creating such a law, and the opinion was positive, and also um, several institutions, including the academic service of the Bundestag, also issued some sort of legal opinions, and majority of these opinions were positive. So in our view, we really don't need this committee. At the same time, we... Uh, and so there were, there were very lively and controversial discussion within our movement, which really has a broad base of people, how should we react to this proposition? Should we even participate in this committee and in this sense maybe legitimize this, this process of politically driven delay, because that's surely one of the aspects of it? Or shall we say, no, we, we're not doing it? And within this, this process of intense discussion, we decided on last Tuesday, so two days ago, uh, we decided to participate in this commission. And also as a movement, we get uh, to nominate three experts that would participate in this commission. And then the rest of the experts are nominated by political parties. And there's several reasons why uh, did we decided to participate in the end. One of the reasons was that um, as we started talking to some experts who were nominated and who participate in this commission, there is a, and, and as we started also the thinking about who will be the experts that we're going to send, um, it seems that there's uh, enough people, there would be enough people within this committee who will really push to turn this committee not into a committee asking question if the socialization is possible, but rather asking a lot of questions of how it is possible in, in terms of practical details. Because that's true, and we acknowledge that, that writing such a law includes a consideration of a lot of fine uh, technical details, technical details, political details, financial details. And of course, we have a pro we already we long had a proposition of how to uh, answer to these questions. And if you look, for those who, who can read German, if you look at our webpage, we have a proposition of a law, like our legal experts um, wrote a, a proposition of, of, of a law. So we have a law ready, if anyone wants to implement it, at least one draft of it. We have a detailed proposition of how to finance the socialization because the expropriation part of socialization needs to be compensated. And that's a legal and political decision um, as well in terms of how, how much would it cost and how you calculate the cost of, uh, of such compensation. And then uh, on the practical side also, once this new institution is established that would manage this housing, then again, it's a question who participates in this institution, what is the organizational structure, how we decide on practical issues like distribution of the apartments, um, financing of modernization, and so on and so on. So we decided to participate in this commission to, to have 
to have transparency at first so that we know what's happening in this commission, to participate in those discussions, to have influence um, in, the, in those discussions, and to push to turning this commission into a commission that really works out the details of this law. Wow, so here we are, this committee is now happening and the movement will take part. I think that's interesting. And this is it's a very radical, but also a little bit long-term political ambition. But then we know we've, I mean, Leilani, we've talked about this before. There was this, uh, the rent cap in Berlin that was decided in the Senate and it was challenged then in the, in the constitutional court. So there was like a moment where people actually got their rent down, like the Danish uh, rent cap legislation. Um, but then it was challenged, so the rent went up. So I don't know how you see this, Leilani, but I, I'm wondering what is the short-term struggle right now? Because the, the rents are going up and people are still stressed and pushed out from the neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. So, And this is what you want to stop with your movement. I don't know what you say, Leilani. I think that's a, a very good question. I, I am very interested in this commission, and, and I'm, I'm faced with a very similar situation here in Canada where uh, a budget was just passed, a big national budget, Budget 2022. And they chose not to go after one of the biggest perpetrators of unaffordability in apartments, which are these real estate investment trusts representing 20% of our market here in Canada. And the, they said... We're not going after them. What we're going to do is we're going to have a committee. <laughs> so the same. Um, and so I'm very interested in that as a way of, you know, and they say we need to study this more before we act. Meanwhile, all the studies have been done. We have, you know, et cetera. So it, it's as an advocate, I'm seeing these patterns of the ways in which governments um, stall a very necessary and important change. And as Frederick said, and I'm interested to hear, Joanna, what, what you have planned, what do you do in the short term? You know, meanwhile, the rents continue to go up, um, lives are made difficult by renovations, et cetera. So do you have a sort of short-term game plan at this point? Well, I mean, so our, our main plan uh, is indeed to, to maintain the tension. Now, we don't have an alternative propositions um, what to do mm -hmm. in the meantime, because this is really not our job. I mean, we are very clear that we will not, within the commission or without the commission, we will not accept a halfway compromise. Like what we push is for socialization of housing, for changing the property relations. So um, even you know the positive developments that that happened before, like a rental cap, which was overturned, and I'll um, come back to you in the second. While we of course like we see it as a positive development, we will not allow to use them as a way to say, look, you don't need to socialize housing because you can, um, because you can do something smaller. And, you know, on, on the one hand, of course, we dare with people, with tenants, uh, trying to help them to fight back in all ways possible. But at the same time, if people are more and more frustrated, that is not our problem. That is the government's problem, because we have a proposition how to um, how to change the system. 
And if if rents are rising and people are frustrated, and uh, then then it is the elected, democratically elected government that needs to come up with strategies to respond. It. What we gonna be do? We gonna keep pointing out to how bad it is and how bad it continuously become. And COVID indeed made the situation worse. And now we have, you know, COVID hadn't even really finished yet, and we have a new crisis, the war in Ukraine, and. Uh, you know, thousands of refugees flowing who will also need housing. And Berlin, as always, as it was with the Syria crisis, is mobilized to help people as much as possible. But we need housing also for that. Yeah. One thing I was thinking of, one thing I was thinking of, that sounds really bad English, but I'm Swedish, so it's okay, I guess. <laughs> um, this legislation that you used is from the German constitution, was it from 1949 or something like that? So the post-war yeah. constitution, uh, this is the German constitution. So this initiative could then also happen in other states uh, of, of Germany. Is that happening? Is there a spreading effect of your movement? There's definitely a spreading effect. And this, uh, this is also one of the reasons why, this, uh, why we decided to participate in this commission. Because just to just to have a little reminder uh, of the magic legal tool that we're using, it's the Article 15 of the German Constitution. The German Constitution is the most important legal document in the Federal Republic of Germany. And this Article 15 says that you can socialize land, uh, natural resources, or the means of production um, for the purpose of turning into common property. and um, in, in the legal inter interpretation, in the end, for the purpose of taking certain particularly important sectors out of the government, especially if you can argue that this quasi-monopoly situation or, or the dominance of, of private property is harmful for the society, which, of course, we argue that it is. Now, Article 15 never in German history has been used. This is legal tabula rasa. No one knows. I mean, everyone knows it works because it's there in the constitution, but no one knows in detail how exactly it works. And as it is also in law, you know, even if this is, we, I mean, Germany is not a common law, so it's not based on precedents, but even in, in, in the civil law system, precedents also do matter. So in a sense, what's going to happen uh, with, uh, with our initiative will matter also for all the potential people that come after us to socialize other things. And there are already initiatives. There is a growing movement collecting signatures now for referendum to socialize energy networks. Because, of course, and now, again, like the energy crisis, you know, the movement started before the energy crisis caused by, by the war. But as you can imagine, now it becomes even more dire. And, of course... I, I would make a bet that the next candidates or the next sector that's going to try to use Article 15 will be ecological movement, because in this clause also you have this possibility of socializing natural resources or areas of special nature protection, just taking them out of the logic of the market to protect them for social purposes. And this sooner or later will happen. And therefore, because the commission is very much set up with the legal experts. That means that whenever this question of socialization will go to court, because there's no other precedence, the courts will look also into what has happened in this commission, what 
were the arguments, you know, what was the legal discussion. And that means that even if our struggle is already revolutionary, in a sense, it's also the question of creating a possibility for future revolutions. And that's why we cannot give up uh, the interpretation of this legal clause. And that's, that's why it is a political battle, but it is also a legal battle, because we need to create a strong precedent also for, for anyone who would want to use this clause after us. It is exciting, Leilani. We said it before, but is this what is happening here is like a new language, something we haven't talked about in Europe for many, many years. And I mean, also Spain, Catalonia also have legislation where you can expropriate apartments. So there is something happening mm -hmm. that we haven't seen for, for the last 50, 60 years. Mm -hmm. But now we have an also new element, uh, the, the sanctions against Russia, where you're like taking or at least at this moment, just freezing properties from these so-called oligarchs. I think that's it's also like a new step somewhere where you actually can see, okay, here we have criminal money. That criminal money has a severe effect on our society. Now we can do something. Of course, the next step would be then to seize criminal money from corrupt uh, Angolan or Nigerian or, uh, you know, Swedish oligarchs. I mean, <laughs> no matter where they come from. Because you can see that this money has a very bad effect on our societies. They they are pushing up not only the housing prices, they're pushing up everything and, and disrupting societies. What do you think, Leilani? Mm -hmm. Oh, I think it's very interesting what's happening. And the reassertion of the value of law for a good end or for good ends is really interesting to me. I mean, law has been, as Saskia says in Push, been deployed by these big corporate actors by oligarchs through tax holes and loops and, and all these beneficial treatments of the law. They've taken advantage of the law. They've used the law. They've changed the law to their advantage. And now there's this pushback using the law, using the Constitution, and saying that we have to clamp down on things like corrupt money flows and capital flows that are damaging people in society. So I think this is the beginning of something that could be potentially huge. I mean, that's, you know, that's what Saskia says, that we need to deploy the law against those who are already deploying the law, right? And, and that's what this is. Actually, Saskia tweeted me the other day. Uh, as she sometimes, she like writes email, but on Twitter to her 50,000 followers. Yeah. But she said, <laughs> Dear Frederick, hasn't the time come for a new film? The type of film you do, in many ways, we have entered a new epoch. In complex systems such as ours, the fact of a new epoch is not always easily visible, but you have shown us how to detect the rise of a new systemic change. Hmm. It's exciting, eh? It is exciting. So we have to invite Saskia again to have her to elaborate on this because it's, it's actually, she is a very interesting woman. What do you say, Joanna? About, <laughs> about how interesting a woman Saskia no, is, of course. About the, new, the new, the historic moments, yeah. because your movement is also part of a new, the new, new epoch that mm -hmm. she talks about. <laughs> oh, look, of course. I think we are waiting. I mean, this will be the biggest political discussion that, that uh, the society is facing, the, the changing of the property relations. And we see, I mean, as you, as you rightly pointed out, also the, the war 
in Ukraine and the links of the oligarchs' wealth to, you know, to to the cruelty and brutality that is happening in the world already also changed the tone of discussion. And, you know, there's a big oligarch wealth, but even, you know, coming back to housing to give a very small example of that, in my home city of Warsaw, I'm Polish, I live in Berlin, but I come originally from Warsaw, there's been this housing um, building, like a big apartment building that was technically owned by the Russian embassy and it stood empty and abandoned for 20 years and the embassy never wanted to do anything about it in the city where we also have a housing crisis. And now the city decided to capture it from the embassy and to transform it into refugee housing, which I think is exactly politically and morally the right move. Amazing. But you see sometimes this historical push which is, of course, terrible because we shouldn't need a war to change the political situation. And it matters as crucial to humanity as housing. But this is and will be part of the biggest discussion, I think, of the of the this century or maybe the next century is how to rethink the property relation because the private property dominated by corporations because it's not even also it's not a matter of individual people owning the house this is the type of argument that is always played against so we need a more refined discussion about property and making clear that the way in which i might own a book or even one apartment it is completely different phenomena than a financialized corporation that owns 120,000 apartments and while we might still need to protect this property on the personal level to give people stability, continuity of life, we not only cannot, we should not protect this type of big scale property that uh, is basically is a form of robbery where very few, very wealthy people dispossess the majority from the most basic life needs. And they also put millions and billions on top of our homes of in speculation, value of speculation, which is not really represent yeah. uh, either our purchase power or anything on the market, the so-called market uh, or the real market, whatever. I mean, all this, but it's so it's, it, I, I think it's really interesting because there is a political pressure in London to do something about, about not only the oligarchs, the speculation, the people from tax havens buying properties. And now suddenly, Something is happening. They haven't still seized the buildings. They haven't sold them. They have just frozen it. So it's the, the British government need to show us much more. But then you can see then in Poland and the other countries, they're actually acting. So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I love the example from Warsaw that you gave, Joanna. That's amazing. That's uh, something now I'll use in my uh, bag of tricks. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I I think it's right that there's a... I, I felt like giving you a standing ovation as you were speaking. I am standing, but, you know, to clap into a microphone doesn't sound good in a podcast. But uh, I do think that property relations is the is the issue uh, that's really coming forward in so many different places that I'm looking around. I'm seeing it. This is where people are really getting um, riled up, and it's because it affects all of us. It affects all of us. I'm I'm quite interested these days in when does an individual become 
a corporation, even if they still call themselves an individual. Um, because I am seeing actually in some places, New Zealand is a good example, Canada is another one, where people start out as just like, oh, I'm just going to buy a second property, you know, just as a little bit of security for me, my family. And now that's becoming five, ten, twelve, twenty properties because money is cheap. Uh, and so for me, that still remains a question because they hide as individuals, but are they still individuals, you know? Are they just riding on the coattail of these big corporations, which they are, right? They're emulating Vonovia. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's Leilani. I was, I was reading today or yesterday a story about this Abrahamovich, one of the big yeah. oligarchs who was the owner of Chelsea Football Club and yep. others. And his name is on so many houses, you know, 20 on the French Riviera, you know, at least... 20-ish and more in, in, in London, but also in Jersey. And, and you know, he's an honorary citizen. He's, he's a Portuguese citizen. You know, he's an Israeli <laughs> citizen. He is like, you know, he's everywhere. So it's, we know that he doesn't have all these houses to live in. It's not like, oh, I, I want to have many houses, you know. It's, yeah. like, it's actually, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's actually a, a way of parking money. Yeah, hiding it, yeah. And hiding money. Yeah. And and it's also pumping up money because for we yes. that's uh, Saviano explained to us in in push also that they actually like to pay pay more mm -hmm. to push up the value of a building is oh, overpaying yeah. and then the, the whole market goes up that's then true. their other properties are going up yeah. so of course it, that's that's how a bubble works that's how speculative yeah. bubble works and they really interested in, in pushing it. But, but, you know, just to add it, it's even more tricky than that, because on the one hand, we do have this big capital oligarch families, corporations. But at the same time, and that's also part of the problem of, of how interconnected uh, everything is in neoliberal globalized capitalism, that also people who, who own nothing, who are renters in Berlin, are in a way pushed into participating in this speculation uh, through, through the retirement yeah. savings, because as soon as the government doesn't provide a sound retirement system, in the end, you have this, you know, not just paradoxical, but really cynically brutal situation in which a renter in Berlin pays into some, some retirement fund to hoping to have a better future, but the same fund is causing the rent of this tenant rising. So by trying to save your future, you undercut your future. And it's very hard for, for many people to even realize that uh, they are in such loop. And even if they realize, it's not obvious that you have means or that many alternatives to get yeah, out of it. And that's why we need to really think of systemic change. Absolutely. I saw here, uh, Leilani, that, you know, we talked about Achelius. You made a special report on, on Achelius, this mm -hmm. Swedish Cyprus <laughs> Bahamas company. <laughs> they, they actually sold everything in Sweden recently, yeah. and they sold also everything in Germany yeah. because they want to go towards Canada, yes. nicer markets. But then the, the people who bought out Achelius are a company called Heimstaden, which is then Norwegian oil money, but it's basically the, the headquarters is here in Malmo. And now one of the big investors in them are pension funds. Yep. So it's pension funds, and many of them are also actually labor union pension funds. Mm. So people are actually saving money to get their own rent pushed up mm -hmm. or their own friends and families pushed out, yep. uh, which is 
which is brutal. So that we've been doing that before here in this podcast, looking into the ethics of the financial markets. We need uh, ethical financial institutions. Mm, yeah, and just to add to what Joanna was saying about um, pushing renters into this home ownership as a vehicle for security, added to that is the fact that in many jurisdictions there are very weak tenant protections. So then it's like, why would I rent when I get bullied by my landlord, the rent gets raised, I may lose my place at any moment, oh, I better just buy a home and be rid of this landlord. So it's like this double thing where we don't have good jobs with good pensions and good retirement plans, and we don't have good tenant protections in many jurisdictions, not all, some have better, but, and so what's the incentive? There's no incentive to remain a renter. Uh, so that for me, part of what also the big fix that needs, you know, uh, we need a, a revolution around tenants' rights as well. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. And again, coming back to Poland, it's also um, an example from, from my own research. Because you don't have strong renters protection, I mean, some years ago, many people were pushed to take mortgages uh, denominated in Swiss francs. And then after the currency was destabilized, people ended up with mortgages, uh, well, the, the sums to be paid uh, bigger than the actual value of the apartment. And then again, they, they lost everything. And they're also actually trying to seek justice for courts. So there's also a movement uh, of trying to, you know, by disappointment um, with politics in terms of mainstream political system who did not respond to their claims, they also try to find a way to justice for courts. And this is in general what I follow as, as an academic in my research, this way in which law becomes a tool for, for social movements to... Um, to get to justice through this back legal door instead of a frontal political door. But I always highlight that this is only possible if we also heavily politicize the law. I mean, it's also a myth that law is a neutral tool. It, it is all immersed and soaked in politics. So you really need to approach it from both mm. sides. We are running out of time. Um, Joanna, when we call you back again in six months or eight months, what do you think will have happened in Berlin or in Germany? Well, well what, what we are pushing, of course, you know, this, uh, this commission that we talked about has a whole long list of things to discuss. And uh, our aim as a movement is to push that this commission should not spend more than a year on it. Because, of course, in theory, it, it, you know, it can take decades if you, if you want to be very meticulous in investigating all the details. So we'll be there. I mean, we, um, you know, already in June, like we, we, we playing this watchdog role. So, so last Monday before we voted on uh, if we participate in the commission or not, we had a public event uh, where we also a sort of hearing where we invited politicians from all the parties and some experts to keep asking this question. What have you done? What is uh, what is happening? And there's another one planned for June as well as a big exhibition. There's also a book coming out end of May, which collects our, well, in a sense, all the archive of, of documents related to our movement. This is in German only, unfortunately, but it includes, you know, papers written by participants of the movement, I mean, me included. 
um, the the proposition of our law. It's it's really laid out there also how we imagine this uh, this new system to to look like. It's, it's it's extremely exciting. So how do you what what do you take out from this? this talk, Leila. Mm. It is always inspiring to hear uh, from Joanna and from Berlin. And it gives me a lot of um, energy because, and I need it right now, because I still am going to release my human rights directives on the financialization of housing. Now it's looking like the beginning of June. We might use the European Parliament as a vehicle, I'm hoping. Uh, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, and push the film. Actually, I'd like to link it to push the film, if you don't mind, Frederick. Uh, I think it's okay. <laughs> All right. You're going to show the film in the yeah. European Parliament. Yeah, that was, at the beginning yeah. of June, and then use that as a time, yeah. a moment to say, look, we documented, Frederick Gerton documented the problem, and now we're going to urge governments to solve the problem uh, with movements. Well, in that case, I will also ask you to send me a copy of these directives, because we might also use it as a movement and build some publicity around it to show... You know, because a lot, I mean, very consciously, just as last thing, when choosing the experts to our commission, we, we had three spots and we chose two lawyers and one urban researcher because, or urban political economist, technically, because we know that um, it is not just a legal question. We need to also show all this political, economical background of financialization, because again, even if it seems to be that we're fighting uh, uh, about rents, we do not. Our fight is not about rents themselves. Our fight is about new system of property and about really taking housing out of the loop of speculation. And we actually, the directives uh, were read and commented on by someone in your movement. So, But I will make sure that you have the final iteration once they're ready. Lovely. Thank you very much. So nice to be with you, Joanna and Leilani. Uh, I mean, we could do a group hug, but it's like it's a little <laughs> bit um, strange with only having screens here, but still. Uh, Thanks so much, Joanna. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you, too. Very inspiring, and we need inspiration. But have a, have a nice day over there in Berlin and you over there in Canada. Thanks, Ciao. and you Ciao. over there in Malma. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Take care. Goodbye. Bye. You are listening to Pushback Talks. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Want to support the podcast further? Become a patron by going to patreon.com slash pushbacktalks.